Blog Talk Radio. Things that are going on in Dallas, 
I normally would reserve to seeing here in D.C. And the fact that I'm not right now and, and it's happening there? <laughs> yeah. It's glorious. Yeah. It's so glorious yeah. watching them suck hard. But we'll get to them in a moment, like I said. Well, like you said, mm-hmm. we got a segment devoted to those sorry-ass cowboys. Trust me. When we get to it, it'll probably be borderline erotic, at least for me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, what's the sketch? Let's start with what happened last night. The Los mm-hmm. Angeles Dodgers, the team formerly known as the Brooklyn Dodgers, according to my mother, more on her in a second, won the World Series last night for the first time since 1988 in the 4-2 series win over the, the resilient Tampa Bay Rays. This one thing, man, look, first of all, I'm not going to try to take away from the Dodgers' win. They won it. They deserved it. They worked for it, especially their journey, which we'll also get to in a moment. Uh, but I would argue that the Dodgers had a lot of help for game six. His name is Kevin Cash, the manager mm. of the Rays. What the fuck was he thinking pulling Blake Snell when he was rolling? He was dealing. He allowed just one hit. One hit. Deal in, uh, uh, um, you know, in, in nine strikeouts and just 73 pitches. Dude was dealing. He was dealing. And after that one bloop single, that soft hit single, it's not like dude crushed the ball. He it was a soft single, right? And then they had Mookie Betts coming up next. And I, look, I know that the guy who hit the soft single was the nine was the guy in the nine hole, the number nine hitter. Mm-hmm. But still, but still, Snell was still dealing, and Mookie Betts had trouble against Snell. And I think he had trouble against lefties all season. So the set, the numbers were in Snell's favor. But yet, Cash, who got overly, like, I guess, intoxicated with analytics and went brain dead, pulled him when, like, with one, well, like, 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 after one out in the fifth inning, I'm sorry, in the sixth inning. So, dude only mm-hmm. was out there for five third innings. Okay? And the Dodgers couldn't get anything going. He subbed in for his tough reliever, Nick Anderson. <laughs> What a what a cruel irony to have his name because the the Nick Anderson <laughs> that we know chose hard yes. in the NBA Finals, but we're not talking about that. But nevertheless, Nick Anderson proceeds to give up a single. I think it was a double first. Then the single to drive in that run that made it that you know that made it one one. Then um, and then of course they scored another run to, to basically put up a two spot in that inning, and then. Mookie Betts sealed it with a solo shot, I think, in the eighth inning. So, I'm not saying that Tampa would have won, but it would have had a far better shot at winning it if if Nash's sorry, if Cash has let him the hell, let Snell the hell in there and let him do his thing. So, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, I, I, I mean, I, I would put last night's win for by the Dodgers. I would credit seventy percent. To Snell to to Kevin Cash's bonehead decision in pulling Blake Snell. I, I completely agree. Um, uh, well, I, I agree that they would have had a better chance leaving Snell in there. And you're right 
the analytics once again <laughs> bite you in a situation where probably shouldn't well, if a dude or um, I should say a manager who's going with his heart instead of going with, by the numbers, um, it, it, it's a situation where if a guy was going with his heart instead of the numbers, probably would have kept Snell in there a little bit longer based upon what we yeah. saw in the field. Like you said, Snell had pitched a, um, five minutes in the third, had two hits, one earned run, and nine hey, strikeouts. Yes, cruise. Nine strikeouts. So... And then, of course, when you, you take them out, <laughs> the Dodgers score two runs. So, yeah, that, that's, that's where that also becomes a thing too, right? So, um, yeah, like you said, um, Kevin Cash, uh, sad to say, his decision led to them losing um, game six and, and subsequently the series. I'm not going to say that I completely blame Kevin Cash for it because Cash wasn't no, playing. Of not. But he did make the call to put the people in the situations which led to them losing. And also taking someone out who was probably hot as fish grease during a homecoming weekend and he just decided to take him out. I I I, <laughs> I I don't get it. I really don't get it. But um it is what it is. Dodgers finally mm-hmm. get to the world championship. The monkey is finally off of your boy's back, um, Clayton Kershaw, yep. so he doesn't have to hear about mm-hmm. that no more. Um, and, and also, it's not just the fact that he doesn't have to hear about it. He did so while playing well. You know, if, if, if right. it would have been the Kershaw of, of recent theory. history, especially in the postseason, people would have been critical mm-hmm. of him had he been playing badly or playing poorly. But he, he did. He so. played extremely well. He played like the Kershaw that we know. And, you know, mm-hmm. that along with, um, once again, um, inadequate uh, bullpens led to uh, the Dodgers uh, winning a World Series. Right. It is what it is. Right. Everyone likes to talk about how, you know, they came from down 3-1 against the Braves to wake into the World Series facing inadequate um, bullpen staff, and that's the same thing that hurt the um, the Rays as well. Yep, yep, they sure did. And by the way, as far as the Dodgers go, what the hell happened to the bullpen? They used to be a strength. Kenley Jensen, he was a stud. He was my fantasy relief pitcher for several years. I mean, what? <laughs> they fell off a flip or something. I don't know what the hell happened, but. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all what you just said about the Dodgers on the Dodgers and the legacy mm-hmm. of Clayton Kershaw. Not that he wouldn't have been a Hall of Famer. He, this this World Series win, coupled with the fact that he played well in both of his outings in the World Series and won both his starts. Um, mm-hmm. He's first ballot now. He has to be first ballot Hall of Famer now. I mean, if he if he were to let's say if he were to hang up his cleats and go up and say, "Fuck it, I'm done," it's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. But you know what? He pitched, he pitched well in the, this, in, uh, in, like, like in the World Series as well. Yeah, I yes. think that. This, this silences the critics who would say, but did he win, though? Yes, he did. So now you can shut up on that. He, he won. He got, his, he got a ring. And he got a ring, not like Dwight Howard, but he got a ring off of his own <laughs> narrative and him playing well. Correct. So. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm still mad at Dwight Howard for coming to D.C., taking our money, and, and legit not doing nothing, being butt hurt for the entire season. So, yeah, I'm, 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 that's at you, player. Yeah. You you and many other fans and many other places are mad at the White House for stealing money. And yeah. even some Lakers fans who still weren't convinced, even though he helped them win a championship. But we'll get to them in the morning as well. But let me go back to the race right quick. I just feel bad for the Rays. I feel bad for the fans. I'm not mm-hmm. saying, look, 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 none of us are saying that they would have won the World Series, that would have forced game someone to the World Series, but they would have had a better shot. Give them a better shot, yes. It was said that, that, not, that not only were the Rays the planet when, when Nash, I'm, I keep calling him Nash, Kevin Cash made that move, but mm-hmm. people talked to Dodgers after the game, and they to a man from Mookie to Bellinger to um, um, the manager, Dave Roberts, they were relieved. They had a pep in their step when they saw him take, take out the town. <laughs> and combine that with the fact that, A, the Dodgers were high when, they, when, when Cash had a brain fart and did that. And with the Rays, with the, you know, I had to know that the Rays were like, what the fuck? Really, dude? Yeah. Really? You know they were deflated. And it showed. And the whole demeanor turned on that switch. And I know that during the regular season, in some parts of these playoffs, Cash managed, like, he kept a tight vice on the starting starting pitchers. I don't think any of them, he, he, I don't think he preferred any of them to go past six innings. That's just his deal. It worked in the regular season. But like I was what we just said last night, Regular season is different from the postseason. You, uh-huh. you, this is dual almost, especially when you need a do or die game. You got to ride your horse, especially when that horse is dealing. And to your, to put in your words, how that fish squeeze on homecoming, doing homecoming, and HBC's home homecoming that is. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, they, they, you got to leave them there. You got to buck. You got to just go be good at that point, because if you see. Your man, your ace deal, and keep it though that that hot Dodgers lineup, the potent Dodgers lineup at bay, scoreless again, nine strikeouts, and just five in his work, one hit, and five in his work, on just seventy three pitches. Duke was fine, he was fine, he was still throwing his fastball, he was he was still in. So I mean, again, as big of a numbers guy as I am, and I have a have a master's degree in advanced analytics for people who don't know and spent the last ten and a half years of my career working in, in analytics, whether it be web like whether it be website, uh, business or data analytics. I've oh, done it for the past ten and a half years. I believe in it. Yeah, I, I actually believe in analytics, just not in sports. Just leave the, <laughs> just leave the sports. That's interesting. Leave that to the experts. Keep the numbers nerd the fuck out of <laughs> what can I I'm sorry to say that. It hurts me to say that about my own community, but this ain't it. Stay in your lane. Keep analytics the hell out of it. I know it's working for the Oakland A's. I know it works usually for the Rays in terms of how they run their their uh their um their their their, their, like their front office and everything. Just keeping the hell out of game situations. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Let's be real though, Scott. It it works to a point. Right, it, it keeps right. teams rather consistent in their play, 
for the most part, these organizations stay above 500, which means they have winning records. They're competing for playoff spots. But it's very rare that you hear a team who constantly talks analytics winning championships on the regular. You know, occasionally it'll happen, but it's very rare that it happens. So that's why, you know, whenever I hear Charles Barkley down analytics, I chuckle. Not because, you know, it's a comment coming from Charles and, you know, you can take it with a grain of salt, but to a degree he's right because what analytics you got for LeBron James and uh, Anthony Davis? Sorry. They, uh, I'm not even applying analytics to them. They're just straight ballers. And sometimes right. that's Thank what you. happens. Guys who can play well and win will win. That has nothing to do with numbers. That has nothing to do with probability. Nah, they just go out there and they perform. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. And that's just guess my go every stinking time. But anyway, um, speaking of LeBron and Anthony Davis, excuse me, there has been talk on the interwebs, if you will, about. The Dodgers' road to the World Series being tougher than the Lakers' road to their NBA Finals win. Both played mm-hmm. in the bubble. Well, actually, the Dodgers played in the bubble in the playoffs. Let me just uh-huh. rephrase that. And, the, of course, the Lakers did as well. You know, they, they did the, the, the 12 seeding games, quote-unquote seeding mm-hmm. games, even though that was technically part of the season. But anyway, the point is, is that both teams spent their time, their playoff time, in the bubble. I think the Lakers were more strictly quarantined than the Dodgers because at least mm-hmm. the baseball teams could still bring the loved ones. They could still go back to whatever hotel they want. It wasn't like they all confined to one resort and everything. But um, but let me ask you this. Oh, and, 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 and the now, Lakers ended the season without any cases, unlike the Dodgers, but that's another story too. That is correct. That is correct. And, and, and yeah. plus the NBA – it's holding a hell of a lot better than MLB in that regard, in, in, in regards to COVID. But do yeah. you think the Dodgers' road to the World Series title was tougher than the Lakers to the NBA Finals? Yes, and I, I say that because of, of um, two numbers and a dash, which is 3-1 down to Atlanta. Yeah. The Lakers weren't facing that type of deficit at all during the NBA playoffs. They just weren't. Correct. <laughs> the the Dodgers were a game away from elimination, and, and they they were capable of coming out of it three straight times. You know, it, it is almost a comparable of, of what we saw with the um, the Denver Nuggets. Even though I do believe that coming back from a three one deficit in in Major League Baseball may be slightly easier than NBA. I don't think it's easy in any sport, but I believe it's slightly right. easier in baseball than it is in the NBA. Um, and I bet that there's a smarter dude out there than me that, that has the true answer to that. Um, but, yeah, because of that 3-1 deficit, and there were several games in which Atlanta was up and up by a couple of runs in those three games only to fall to Correct. the Dodgers. So, yeah, I would say that it was a little bit tougher for the Dodgers than it was for, um, for the Lakers, if not for that one reason alone. Well, you know what? I totally agree with you with sharing a brain there. Even though I'll say this, it wasn't the Lakers' fault that they had an easy road. 
I mean, no. The, no one told the Clippers to be chucking dogs against the Denver Nuggets by losing three double-digit leads the last three games of the series. No one told, like, like uh, the Lakers didn't tell um, the Milwaukee Bucks to get boat raced by the Miami Heat in five games. No. You know, no one told the like the Lakers didn't tell the Boston Celtics to blow a series against the uh, against the Heat in six, which told both those teams I mentioned earlier, including the Clippers, three teams I mentioned. All three would have given the Lakers far bigger competition, far tougher time in terms of matchups than the Heat. But that's not the Lakers' fault. And that's not the Heat's fault for playing who they play, be who they beat. But that's not the Lakers' exactly. fault still. Mm-hmm. But, but truth be told, at the end of the day, the Dodgers had to go through San Diego, led by mm-hmm. Tatis Jr. They swept them, straight swept them. They came mm-hmm. behind against your Braves, so unfortunately for you, a 3-1 mm-hmm. down to make the World Series, and they beat the Rays with the best team in the um, in, in the American League, and they beat them in six. Dodgers all day. <laughs> and they both and they and they did it in from the second round on, from the from the league the uh uh divisional series on, they did it in the bubble. They they did it outside their home stadium. So, props to the Dodgers. What can I say? Well, this is what I can say, right? Now, as it pertains to them winning a championship, like you said, there's not much you can say because they played who they had to play, and they beat who, they, who was in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. There's no shame in that, none at all. And I don't blame them for that. It's just unfortunate that when it comes down to conversation about, you know, what team or what championships team is better than another, of course that conversation of who did they play comes up. And, and that's right. one of the measuring sticks of, of trying to gauge which team is better than another. And unfortunately, that's just, that's just exactly what that is. It's fodder. Right, because it really doesn't mean anything. Right. Because at the end of the day, you can't take away their championships based upon who they beat. They beat who they beat. They got their title. It is what it is. It's just for right. bo- uh, when you and I bloviate about situations about who's better. That's when that comes into play, and that's the only place it really has its place. Other than that, man, I don't even care. Until I gotta care, <laughs> but yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Big word alert. Big word alert. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> My man said bloviate. That's I did the say first bloviate, time didn't in I? The clown hour history where the word bloviate was mentioned. I'm pretty damn and sure about that. And the fact that it comes from me first is a shot. It really is. I know, right? Stop the pressure. <laughs> That's our big word alert. <laughs> That's our big word for the month. But anyway, let's move right along to the NFL. <laughs> My beloved Steelers won the Battle of Unbeaten against the tough Tennessee Titans. I mean, Big Ben played like Lodge Benjamin in the second half and almost literally threw, like, threw the ball away, like threw the game away to the Titans. Not neither here nor there. And Seattle ended up losing to an Arizona Cardinals team that I think would be good, but not this good. And yeah. So, with that said, 
the Steelers are the, the lone unbeaten right now in the NFL. And we're mm-hmm. playing the outstriver Baltimore Ravens, another one, uh, one loss team this Sunday in Baltimore. So right now I just think, do you think this makes the Steelers, well, now, the NFL's top I mean, um, for my weekly rankings that we do on Sleazy Sports, I, I have them number one as of right now. Um, the thing mm-hmm. is, of course, it'll be very interesting to see what happens this week because they have a tough opponent uh, coming up Sunday in the Baltimore Ravens. The funny right. thing is, and we kind of discussed this uh, on the show just last night, sadly, whenever a team, especially if they weren't already ranked one, um, in our rankings, uh, the prior week, the week that they do make number one, that team eventually ends up losing the following week. And it's mainly because of the, the level of competition that they end up having to face that following week. And it's it's going to be a tough one for your Steelers coming up, going to Baltimore to play against B-more. Of course, fans won't be there, but it don't matter. Um, like I said on the show, and like I said on this show before, that um, – by far, Baltimore-Pittsburgh is my favorite rivalry of the last two decades, by far. Yeah. And, and it's not even going. close. You know, right. and it's, it's not even close. Um, and, and we're going to get another piece to that because, once again, which one of the reasons why this, this rivalry is so entertaining is because both of these teams are competitive. And in most cases, mm-hmm. both of these teams are not only competing for the divisional crown, but potentially for the conference crown because along with having to go through one another, they potentially end up having to go through the likes of the uh, the New England Patriots. And now that that monster doesn't loom anymore, the, the, the other monster that they have to potentially beat would be the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs already gave the Ravens a piece earlier this year. It just means that, right. you know, yeah. the, 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 the hope – is that both of these teams end up ending the year well. I don't know what the playoff situation is going to be like as it pertains to home field advantage and the fans because, of course, we know that that does play a, a, a difference. But if it's the same as it is right now, fans won't have much of a say in the game because there won't be much there or there won't be much there. But, um, yeah, just getting one over, especially on your divisional rival, um, is always a great thing to do. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think it's Kansas City still. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's Kansas City. Um, look, I know the Steelers can beat you many ways. I'm mm-hmm. cool with that. Um, I'm just a realist. <laughs> and unless Pittsburgh develops a potent passing game, um, I I I think that uh, it's the Chiefs' world. I it's interesting to see how they're going to use Le'Veon Bell too going forward. Um, yeah. But look, the defense, the defense while they play a little bit better, you can still have that with them just a little bit. So it's a, it, it 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 comes down to whether the Steelers can put that pressure on Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, if um. If they even play in the national national if they play the AFC Championship game, now if the likes of Tennessee goes, I don't think this is the last time Pittsburgh's playing Tennessee this year. 
I think they're destined to be up in the playoffs. I think mm-hmm. I, I just think, I have a feeling. And, you know, I, I, I just think that you have, we have seen the last of the Tennessee Titans. And I think they're going to come out really pissed off against the Bengals here in Cincinnati this Sunday um, to social distribution. But I will say this. I if, – if we beat the Ravens in Baltimore – Mind mm-hmm. you, I know it's without I get it. I totally get it. But if we beat the Ravens in Baltimore, because you look at the rest of our schedule, we played the Cowgals after uh, we uh, after the Ravens game, and that'll be the third of three straight road games, by the way. Scheduling quirk. Then we come home against the Bengals, go to Jacksonville, host the Ravens, play the Ravens again at home on prime time which I think they'll be kept in the primetime slot. They host your Washington football team, and then mm-hmm. they go to the – then they go to Buffalo. That's going to be tough. They go to Buffalo. So, and they host – they go to Cincinnati, they host Indianapolis, and they go to Cleveland. So, basically, after the Ravens game, you have the Ravens the second time at the Bills, host – like, uh, I don't – I think we'll, we'll – we'll, I think we'll take the Colts, but – then they host the, then they then they visit Cleveland. So you got three more big games to the Ravens game this Sunday. Um, so if we beat the Ravens in Baltimore this Sunday, that puts us at seven and zero. We're in the mm-hmm. big catbird seat because the Ravens will get their second loss of the season, and that put us that put us at eight two games clear of them at that point. So this is a big game for Pittsburgh. They want to really have a stake. And make a statement, more of another statement in the in, in the AFC Central. They say Central, AFC North. I'm going to <laughs> AFC North and in the NFL as a whole. Period. But what? But how about the how about the Steelers though? Now, I know this is not Pittsburgh radio. I'm trying not to make it Pittsburgh radio. But <laughs> how about the Steelers? I mean, I think it'd be better with Big Ben back. I didn't think they'll be they win their first six games out the gate and put them in the driver's seat in the AFC North earlier this season, but that speaks to the resiliency and the urgency that they had after last season after going remember at eight at one point we were eight and five with the likes of Mason Rudolph and a dude named Duck quarterbacking us. Yes. Quarterbacking mm-hmm. us. We were eight and five at one point before Reality set in, and we regressed back to the mean and lost our last three games. So that, so this again, this goes back to the job of, and it starts with Mike Tomlin, the resiliency, the urgency. It's Mike Tomlin all day, man. And I don't give the man enough credit. You know, I'm his big, his biggest, one of his biggest critics. But the man can coach. He just can. So that's props to him for keeping the Steelers afloat, man. Yeah, uh, but unfortunately, I'll go ahead and say it. Um, the Steelers are, are kind of like the L.A. Lakers and what we just said about the Lakers. You know, they, they didn't necessarily have uh, a real tough schedule ahead of them in, in the first six games for them. But what do you do? You, you beat who's supposed to be in front of you, right? So week one, they beat right. the Giants by 10. Week two, they beat the, uh, the Broncos by five at, at the crib. You know, they hold on to beat the um, the Houston Texans. Then they beat the Eagles. Right. 
they mollywop the Browns, and then this past weekend, you know, they get a big lead and hold on to beat the uh, the Tennessee Titans. And the Titans is probably the toughest game that they've had all season long um, in right. terms of uh, matchups, right? Then, of course, they'll, the, their mm-hmm. toughest game of the year is coming up this week against Pittsburgh, and then they follow that up with Dallas, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, and then they got Baltimore again. Then they have Washington, Buffalo. I don't know which Buffalo it's going to be. Is it going to be the Buffalo Bills that started the season? Is it going to be the Bills of the last couple of weeks? Or is it going to be the Bills like we saw toward the end of last year who were very plucky and, 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 and were capable of pulling out wins against teams that we didn't think that they would? So when that game comes up later on this season, that's something you're going to pay attention to. Then we got Cincinnati, like you said, and, of course, again, um, the Colts. Which Colts are we going to get? And then they end the year once again with Cleveland. And based upon what we talked about with Cleveland a couple of weeks ago, Cleveland could be riding a situation where they could be um, somewhere between nine and ten wins, if not fighting for a division, yeah. fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah. So, totally. it, it, so you know, it they they have um, what I like to call baby thighs uh, for the remainder of the season for the most part because it's going to be very very soft, you know. Uh-huh. But they, they they still do have to beat the well. They they do they still have to play the Ravens twice, and they do still have Buffalo and, and they do have Cleveland. And I shouldn't say that so lightly, like they just the rest of the schedule just baby thighs. But because it is the NFL, but a lot of these teams have two or, or, or less losses. You know, you have one win from or two wins from Dallas and Washington, a win from Cincinnati and Jacksonville. And then, of course, you have the Colts and the – well, the Colts got four and Buffalo has five. But still, eh, teams as well because Buffalo, most of their wins against weak teams too. So, ah, you know, I'm not, yeah. not necessarily concerned about Buffalo and Indianapolis for the Steelers. Um, it's just those those inner divisional games that they have is, is the, are the ones that I think will be the toughest for them. I totally agree, and it may be seen. It's going you're going to see a separation between the have and the, the between the true contenders and the pretenders in the, in, the, in the AFC pretty damn soon. So that's what I do with that. Now, as far as uh, the NFC with Seattle, mentioned Seattle earlier. I think Seattle is still one of the top teams in the NFC, but I think the best team right now in the NFC has to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. See the way Brady went off? I know I'll be against the Las Vegas Raiders and their defense, but still, it was a road win. And Tom Brady, you see that dime he dropped to Scotty Miller, I think his name is, near the end of the first half, when everyone thought that they were going to position themselves with a field goal. Tom Brady was mm. like, uh, uh, uh. Had a clean pocket, stepped up. Threw a beautiful deep ball, 30 yards into the end zone, 30 plus yards to the end zone. So, Streaker Scott and Miller for a touchdown. As soon as that happened, man, me and some buddies of mine, we, we'll watch the game in our front yard, social distancing, of course. And <laughs> we were like, yo. <laughs> Tom Brady, at 43 years young, is still dealing. And I ain't mad at it. So, I, I think. Right now in the AFC, in the NFC, even though Seattle has a better record, 
has the better record. I think it's Tampa Bay's conference right now. I really do. And, 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 I really do. And go ahead, sorry. Oh no, no, you go ahead because I think you're about to say the same thing that I'm about to say. I was gonna say, well, I was gonna, well, I was gonna say keep your eye on Arizona, but I don't, I don't know if you're gonna say it or not. But uh, yeah, I was gonna make that. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say the addition of Antonio Brown is going to be very interesting yes. to see how how he um, blends in with this team. You know, the team that's been playing well, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball under Todd Bowles, but to just add another weapon on that offensive side of the ball for Tom Brady to, to throw to. And I swear, Antonio Brown must really have a thing for Tom Brady, for him wanting to constantly play with them because there were other teams that were interested in him, but he really wanted to go to Tampa. So it is what it is. It's either right. Tom Brady or strip clubs. I don't know which one it is, but either way, it's <laughs> going to be very interesting to see what happens with A.B. and whether or not he can keep his mouth quiet and his attitude to himself to play ball under um, Arians and, and Tom Brady to see if he can go ahead and, and actually become a positive cog in this organization. So, yeah. It, they, they, I'm reading reports now that are saying that, you know, his first workout with the Bucks went fantastic. So it's going to be interesting to see if fantasy of phantasm last for the rest of the season. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I just think that he was he's in, he's in a spot where for the first time he respects the quarterback and the quarterback respects him back. Because in, in, remember in Pittsburgh, he didn't care too much for Ben Roethlisberger. And no. Roethlisberger didn't really respect him at the end. And he didn't respect the coaching staff either. He, he would come to, no. to, to work late and on his own, did his own thing. But the thing is, he worked hard. He worked very hard. So you can't say that he, he half-dazzed away. That's great. But do it is self-made, like mm-hmm. his mother. I will say that. But, again, I mean, he's on his last leg. If he can't make he it is. work with Tom Brady a second time, like he did the first time, a bit for one game, then it's, his career is over. Yeah. Because if you can't make it work with Tom Brady, the GOAT, who are you going to make it work with? If you can't so make it work with Tom Brady twice. Right. Who gets yeah. to say that? So Not many he people. He has to get his P's but, Yeah. Remember, this is the same dude that threw a bag of baby penises to his um, baby mama. Yeah. Yeah. Despicable. I mean, I, I still... Look at him in a different light after that, but anyway. Uh, but as far as ramifications of that man, that that's gonna that's gonna really that's gonna really make the the offense prolific because you think about mm-hmm. it, the the, the really need him, and because of the injuries to the receiving core, Mike Evans still recovered from the hamstring. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Godwin has been banged up. Scotty Miller starting the ball, and Gronk is starting to. Re- it's starting to look like rock again, you know. And so, if you, if 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 Antonio Brown, he's perfect for the slot. So you put him in the slot against the third corner. That's barbecue chicken, especially since he's been working hard. Still working hard, as far as I, I from what I heard, he's still work, he's still been working very hard. 
He's still, still in great shape. Due to them, he, he, he could for sure wouldn't run all the route everywhere on the route tree. Dude's it. He's still it. So, <laughs> as as long as he keeps doing that, it gets himself in the football shape. He keeps in balls where he's supposed to. It's all about. It's going to be all about Tampa and the NFC. I think the Saints may have something to say about that in the NFC South, but and maybe Seattle in the conference. But I think it's Tampa's world all day, all every every day, all day in the NFC right now. And and hmm, I'm trying to figure out how much I agree, because of course, as it was shown this past weekend, um, Seattle's defense, like they have been all season long, can be had. It's just yeah. whether or not um, Russell will make Russell Wilson will make mistakes. And he made a uh, unfortunately made a ton this past Sunday, which kept Arizona in the game, which led to them winning. And God, that rundown by DK Metcalf. Once uh, Buda Baker got the pick, and it seemed like he he had a pick six. My thought was the only person that could run him down would be um, DK Metcalf because of his forty time that he ran during the combine, and then he really did show it. That dude. <laughs> Yo. Oh my God, that dude, dude is a physical freak. To be that big and that fast is insane. And and I, I I really do apologize for saying that this dude would be a bust. I mean I understand this is only his second season, but he's shown me to be wrong so far, right? So if he can somehow keep this right. up, then he's gonna make me look bad. But um that's the thing. Russell's gonna have to be able to keep his mistakes down in order for him to beat the likes of a Tampa Bay. Um, Arizona is starting to show that they're getting their feet under their young selves. But I can't think in Green Bay, okay, if Green Bay can somehow show that they can come back from that big loss that actually they had against Tampa Bay, if they can somehow rebound after that, then maybe they can be competitive. But, yeah, as of right now, the way that it looks, it, it looks like it, it's Tampa Bay, but we still got a whole another eight weeks left in the season to, to, to see exactly how everything's going to pan out. And one more thing, man. We mentioned them earlier. How about the Cleveland Browns? How about the Cleveland Browns? They're six. They're five and two. Mm-hmm. Five and fucking two. And I know they lost uh, Odell for the rest of the season. That that sucks for Odell. He's he's worth his ass off. It's not his fault that it hadn't really worked out in terms of getting his get his numbers in um, mm-hmm. in, in Cleveland, but sometimes, man, you can have the best talent but be a, the the worst fit. And it's, like I said, yeah. it's not his fault. It's not like he's doing anything. He's not pulling a to. He's not being a bad teammate. He has his no. best friend there and Jarvis Landry. It's just so mm-hmm. many miles to feed. They're so talented, and with defense is keying on him, it's just really hard to get here. It, 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 that's just the way it is. I think he he hasn't said it, especially since they've been winning. Again, he's not a bad guy. He's not a bad teammate. But I think I, I'm one of those guys who finally has given in to the they should Cleveland should trade him. Mm. I, I think they should consider trading him because it gets some draft picks. Because, again, it's not his fault. The man is too – we saw him again what he could do against Dallas. Mm-hmm. Even though that was because I thought me nor you will get to them in a moment, but still, you saw what what he could do. 
and he has some good spots. He had a good game against the the, the Bengals earlier this year. But it's just it's just it's just for some it's just, he just is so snake bit with injuries and, and just bad fortune. But it is what it is. I hope he comes back. I hope he comes back well with a vengeance. This modern medicine, I think he will. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's um sad. It's very sad. I feel bad for him. Really bad for him. But anyway. But pops to the I, mean, I don't necessarily feel starts. bad for him, but my concern I don't necessarily feel bad for him, but my concern is um for well, not necessarily for him, more so for the Cleveland Browns. It's like they're they're, they're almost kind of stuck. Um, what would you take for compensation? Or what would be the floor for for compensation that you would take if you were the Cleveland Browns for for the likes of Odell Beckham? Well, you can't get a one. You might could get a two. No. Mhm. You can't get a one, but you can. You might get a two, but I think you're more like gonna get a couple of threes and maybe a five. And see, and that's what I was thinking. I was thinking the four for me, if I'm Cleveland, would be fours, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll get multiple draft picks, but when I try, and if you do get multiples, they can't be any. They can't be anything lower than a four. Um, four would be really pushing it in my eyes. Um, but yeah, the, the, the thing is, though, it, he has a lot of money on the book. And he's injury prone. And like you said, though, the positive is that he hasn't been a malcontent in Cleveland, but he's just he's had a lot of injuries to deal with over the past couple of years of his career. And I don't know if it necessarily gets any better. He, he's, he's falling easily into A.J. Green territory. Yeah. yeah. And I really hate yeah, to say that, you know, about my former <laughs> – um, one time, uh, a neighbor. Well, he didn't live in next door to me per se, but we lived in the same small city. So you know, I I, I consider AJ to be a, a homeboy with me living in South Carolina at the same time he was growing up. But yeah, um, I, I really hate to see that of, of AJ, and I really hate to see that eventually end up being Odell's fate as well. But it, we're facing yeah. that. We're really facing that reality right now. Exactly. So, anywho, going moving from the good team to the terrible team. Mm-hmm. Well, first, we're going to hit up the Atlanta Falcons. How can you? <laughs> <laughs> the Falcons, man, I don't know what to say. I don't know what the hell to say about them. They find creative ways to lose every single week. First, Choking away a 20-plus point lead to the Cowgals earlier this mm-hmm. season. Did not know how to recover an onside kick at the end. That was an ice oh. Yeah. Then came from ahead. <laughs> you know what? Let me, let me let's just, just for sport, I'm going to pull up this schedule right quick because this is hilarious. This is, this is, this is hilarious. Um, they, they blow a lead against the Bears. At home, mm-hmm. right? They they weren't even competitive against the Panthers, and while they showed up against the Vikings, that could kick their asses. 
they blew another lead against the Detroit Lions of all teams. Yeah. The Detroit Lions. And when 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 your boy uh, <laughs> uh, Todd Gurley tried to fall before the end zone, but ended up accidentally falling into the end zone. He broke the plane. <laughs> And then the Lions are like, yeah, go, go in the end zone, please. We didn't have no time else to get the ball back. Go ahead, please. And lo and behold, you could tell that Falcons are like, oh, shit. Soon as Gurley accidentally scored, because they, what happened? Detroit drove the field, no time left, threw a touchdown pass. Game over. Hilarious. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious. What can be, what, what like what can be done? I mean, if you're a Falcons fan, well, actually, you know, you're a Falcons fan. You probably split your wrist or go go weep and suck off in the in ashes. That's a biblical thing for people who know the Bible. Off <laughs> in ashes. But if you're the Atlanta Falcons front office, the hell do you do at this point? You got Matt Ryan, who. Maybe on the way down, so he's out. He's, he's leaving his prime now. He left his prime. Mm-hmm. He gave back way to three leading the Super Bowl to the Patriots. And you got Julio Jones, who's still the best wide receiver in the game, hands down. So if you are one and six, you pretty much enter the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. I should say tank sweepstakes, tank stakes. Um, what do you do? Do you hold on to Matt Ryan? Do you hold on to Julio Jones? Do you ride it out? What what can be done right now if you're the Falcons? Because clearly they're in the need of a rebuild. Because they ain't working. They ain't worked for the past couple of seasons. Man, it, it, it has to be a situation where, you know, if I'm off the blank, I'm, I'm probably thinking about hitting the reset button. I really am. Um, everyone likes to talk about how creative – you know, the, the the losses have been for the um, Atlanta Falcons. They all come down to the same thing, though, um, basically, though. I mean, there, there's some glaring things. Of course, the onside kick is huge. But, once again, defense still has to line up. Defense still has to make plays and keep the Cowboys from getting in the field goal range. But, you know, once again, we don't get in that situation if they just fall on the ball and recover the onside kick and make that a non-sequitur, um, right? Same thing this right. past weekend against the, 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 um, the Detroit Lions. People forget Atlanta was actually down 14-16 when Todd Gorley scored to make it 2016, right? And then right. Matt Ryan throws the pass to Calvin Ridley to, 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 for a two-point conversion, and they go up eight. At this point, you are up eight points with a, a minute to go, and the Detroit Lions have no timeouts. Right. That's on the defense. As, 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 as much – go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I said you're right. You're totally right. It's on the defense. I'm sorry. You, I was agreeing with you. Yeah, and, 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 and once again, it, 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 that's who the brain needs to be placed on. It's easy to put the blame on Calvin Ridley, but right, look at it like this. Say Calvin Ridley doesn't score. Like we said, the um uh, girl, the, yeah. the, the, the Lions didn't have a timeout. They didn't have any timeouts. 
they're basically okay. He he kneels the ball at the one yard line, right? Say the Falcons mm-hmm. don't score, right? That wouldn't be far fetched because it'll be the Falcons falconing it up, right? You know, they get to the one yard line and they don't score nothing. They don't score a touchdown. The the field goal mm-hmm. gets blocked or goes wide right or wide left. All possibilities, right? So the one mm-hmm. thing that actually is a benefit, but a lot of people consider it to be a detriment for the Atlanta Falcons, is that Todd Gurley scores and puts them ahead because they were behind. Let's not sit here and act like the Atlanta Falcons falling in from the one-yard line was a short thing. Yes, it's a high probability because you do have Todd Gurley, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. But the potential of it not happening is still there. I just watched a bad team this past weekend in the Washington football team get into the yeah. one-yard line and not be able to score from the one but it did lead right. to them getting a safety, which led to them getting a, a touchdown and them getting out 9 nothing on the Cowboys. But that's another conversation for another time. So let's not sit here and act like the Atlanta Falcons was going to score from the one was going to be a short thing. It's not. Because we've seen them do short, right. club up short things already this season. So, yes, he right. scores a touchdown, puts them ahead, the defense is supposed to come out there and do your job and defend. You're not supposed to allow this team and drive downfield. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see exactly how they drove, but my guess is they probably were, were playing prevent defense and allowed Matt Stafford a cushion to drive downfield and beat them dudes. You just can't do it. Put the pressure on this Bama force him to make decisions that he don't want to make, turn the one game, one, two, three, four, ball game over with, let's go home to the crib. But, no, you probably played prevent defense, which led to them scoring, which led to them losing, and everyone's pointing their finger at Todd Gurley. No, Todd Gurley ain't the GOAT in this one. It's the defense. And, unfortunately, it's, it's – it's, um, What's your boy's name? The um the the current interim coach, who's the defensive coordinator too, um, Raheem Morris. It's, it's Raheem Morris, and I I like Raheem Morris, I really do, but that's on it's, that's on Morris again technically because Raheem Morris, if memory serves me, was the D coordinator during the Super Bowl loss too. So all of that, as much as um the old head coach was a defensive uh, um. Savant, and I'm doing that in the air quotes, he wasn't technically the yeah. defensive coordinator. The defensive coordinator was behind all that. Hey, once again, it's, it's on Morris' shoulders again. So I don't think Morris gets retained, which is sad because I'd love to see, of course, black, college, black coaches get jobs or retain sure. jobs of, of any level. But, dude, it, it's, it's just not panning out. I don't know if it's him. I'm gonna go ahead and blame the 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 the, the, the Moes and Joes, uh, you know, over the coaches and, and, and the plays that they call. Because if, if you have bad players, and we've known that this defense has had bad players for some time, that's the type of play that you get. It is what it is. Right. It is what it is. You're right. Well, I'll say this: what made them more egregious, though, was that the Lions' viewpoint. When before that faithful play that by Todd Gurley, 
The mm-hmm. Lions had no timeouts, and the Falcons Not. had the lead. I mean, the Falcons. I mean, I mean, the Falcons had like, they had no timeouts. They they didn't have the lead. You're right. They did not have the lead. That's my bad there. However, they could have milked the clock, stopped the clock at maybe one or two seconds left because Atlanta had timeouts. Um, they could have stopped the clock, and they would have kicked the go ahead extra the go ahead field goal from one yard out. You would like to say that NFL kicker they hit a field goal from the one yard line. Right. You, you would hope, right? That. You would you hope, would, right? Hope but that's yeah. That's my whole <laughs> thing. The Falcons could have falconed it up and missed it, and we would have been sitting here laughing at the kicker for missing a one-yard field goal. Well, for Todd Gurley, he wouldn't have had to take the punt of the punishment in that situation. No, because he would have been. They would have been like. Todd, why didn't you score? You had the opportunity to score. You were there at the one. You took the knee. You decided to try to run the clock out, and your kicker missed the kick. Why not take it to your own? He was damned either way. He really was. He was damned either way, even though the situation probably fully wouldn't have been on him in that situation because he just would have been. Sure. He just would have done what you would have expected him to do. But yeah, you 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 hope that he downs the ball. And you hope that an NFL kicker does NFL kicker things and makes the kick from 21 out, right? But things happen. Because God forbid they get down right to the one. They don't get in. They run the clock out. They get a penalty on them, push them back another five yards, and the kick gets blocked. Lord knows something like that happens. Then of course, it's the Falcons falconing it up again. So, yeah, there's so <laughs> many things that could happen, and they're they're feasible things. They're not like just crazy scenarios of, oh my God, what happens if the dude from the last Boy Scout runs on the field and shoots everybody in the head, and that's how the dude ends up not scoring the, the touchdown at the end of the game because he shot in the head dead at the one yard line. No, that doesn't happen. But, yes, a penalty not going to kick her back five yards, and the potential of him missing from 26 yards out there is still a reality, which is why I'm always right. back to defense do your job, and you allow the Detroit Lions to drive 75 yards in a little over a minute and no timeouts in eight plays. Was it eight plays? Let me see. Let me look at this. What's the eight plays? Yeah, eight plays. They, they drove it. Eight plays. And, and, and got – matter of fact, okay, let's look at Let's run this down, right? First and 10 on the 25, incomplete pass, right? Then second right. and 10, you get a 13-yarder to Hawkinson, right? First and 10 from the 38, mm-hmm. mm, he spikes the ball. Second and 10, it's a 22-yarder to Danny Amendola. Wow, where was he? Um, then, of course, spikes the ball. Then Stanford – Throws a 29-yard pass to um, to Galladay, gets down to the 11. He spikes the ball, and then from there, so yeah, basically on four pass plays, he's able to drive 75 yards. Dude, you knew they was gonna pass the ball four times, and you knew they was gonna spike the ball to stop the clock. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. I know. It is what it is. It's. It makes this one station makes you want to shake your damn head. Hey, that's it exactly is. what I'm doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
But, but speaking of shaking one's head, we'll get you out on this, man. We're going to close this podcast talking about the disaster waiting to happen, Dallas Cowboys. How about them, Cowboys? Man, this <laughs> If he didn't, you didn't think they could get any worse. Okay, you lost, they, they lost Dak Prescott, and you don't want to see that. He's, he's mm-hmm. up by all counts, a very good dude. You definitely don't, don't – you hate to see that. I just think that, <laughs> you know, Dallas, I mean, golly, it's just so funny. I mean, not, 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 not that getting hurt, obviously, but, I mean, it's – it's the Cowboys. I mean, of course I can get excited about them losing. I mean, did they lose 22 to, was it 25 to 3 to the Washington team formerly known as the racial slurs, right? The Native American <laughs> racial slurs. To lose them 25 to 3. And not only that, I mean, they were, I mean, they let the, they were outgained 397 to 142. They let the Washington Redskins, who are offensively challenged, rack up 397 total yards. Yeah. They let them hold the possession 36 minutes, 24 seconds, along mm-hmm. 31 first down mm-hmm. to Washington. Mm-hmm. Seems devoid of offensive stars to Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they, they allowed the immortal, what's this kid's name, Antonio Gibson. Mm-hmm. 120 yards and 20 carries. Mm-hmm. This is not Adrian Peterson. This is not John Riggins in his prime. This is Antonio Gibson. Yeah. A lot over Rookie. six yards per carry for this guy. Yeah. And let Kyle Allen throw for two touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. It's a damn shame. It's a yeah. goddamn shame. They're better than this. The Cowboys are more talented. They're talented defensively. Sure, they don't have Dak, but they have they have good they have great uh, skill position players. The offensive line is like a little bit shitty, but it's not that shitty. Well, now it is. What happened? What happened? Yeah. And then what the coup de grace? Think of the second offensive line when and, when Andy Dalton was chief shotted. When he was chief shotted late in the game, not one damn offensive lineman, not one damn teammate shoved old boy in the back, at least. No. They let him go. No. Yeah. That's what told me what you need to know about these Cowboys. They are not tough. Yeah. They're soft as tissue paper. And now I know what the hell Mike McCarthy and company are doing, but they got to fix this shit fast because otherwise I'm looking at the schedule, man. It's hard to find a win for them. It's really hard to find a win. Now, I don't know when any Dalton's coming back. We already know that Dak is going for the rest of the year. But they play uh-huh. at the Eagles this week. They, they, the next, the, the following weekend, they host my Steelers. Uh-huh. They go to Minnesota. They host your Washington team again. They visit uh-huh. the Ravens. They visit the Bengals. They host uh-huh. the 49ers. They host the Eagles. And they visit the Giants to close the season. I see maybe no more than two wins. Two more wins for these guys. There's You're being gracious. No better than four and twelve right now. Seriously, hmm. I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. Are, I'm trying to figure out where those wins are coming from. Because I don't know. I'm thinking maybe. I'm thinking 
they'll lose the big. I think they'll lose the Bengals. Joe Joe mm-hmm. Joe Burrow is playing very well. They got yes. that quarterback uh, uh, of the future. I think Cincinnati will short things up, short things up by the season's end. They may beat the Giants just because the Giants suck so bad offensively. But then again, I said that about Washington, and Washington just curb stomped them. <laughs> so. Um, I just don't see enough. I see maybe the Vikings. Well, I don't think they'll beat the Vikings. Um, they're definitely not beating the Steelers. They're definitely not beating the Ravens. They're not beating the 49ers. They're not beating the Eagles, even though they'll be playing the Eagles in Dallas. Um, the Eagles just have their numbers. Um, they might beat your Washington team in a rematch in Dallas. They you might win at the Giants earlier. That's it, as, as as confident as I am in Washington going into that game, I am equally as concerned, right? Because they right. still have one. <laughs> they still have one Ezekiel Elliott. Now, Washington was capable right. of holding him to 45 yards, and I think that might be the lowest out that he has put up against Washington in his entire career. Um, it helps that they have poor play at the quarterback spot. Now, like you said, they have a lot of talent at the skill positions on the offensive side of the ball, but as you saw, that O-line, like, like I, the, the term I used earlier, baby thighs, very, very soft, right? And it's not like mm-hmm. I'm going around here just grabbing random baby thighs on a regular basis, but I digress. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that people expected them to be um, pretty talented in was their defensive line because of the names that they have on paper, Randy Gregory, Don Terry Poe, um, who else? Um, Everson Griffin. They had some talented guys um, in, in that front uh, front seven. Um, Vander Esch, they got some talent up there. But Everson Griffin has just been traded to Detroit. As of today, Don Terry Poe and linebacker, um, I'm sorry, cornerback um, Daryl Worley were both released. They said that um, Poe was having weight issues and it was playing right. poorly. Um, so a lot of the talent, and, and now Randy, Randy Gregory comes back, but Randy ain't played in over a year. So a lot of the talent, excuse me, a lot of the talent that we, that we thought that the Cowboys had on the defensive side is now gone. So what is this team going to be? Um, as, as long as, I guess, those skilled position guys are, are going to be there, there's still going to be some sort of threat, like you said, to those lower-tier teams like Washington, Minnesota, and, and New England, New England, sorry, New York, and potentially the, the Cincinnati Bengals. But, man, like we've seen from the Bengals, even though they have a bad record, they've been plucky, and they've been rather competitive for the entire season, and they can put up points. Yes, so we don't have to worry about them and their offense putting up points. We have to worry about whether or not Dallas can keep up. Now, mind you, mm-hmm. the G Unit almost almost beat Dallas a couple of weeks ago when they knocked out Dak in that game. They just couldn't hold on. They may be able to steal it, but God, the, the G Men have looked good since that game. But once again, those two weeks have been games against Washington and Philadelphia, who also have under three wins. So, oh my God, as, as Easy as it could be to say that Dallas doesn't win another one for the rest of the season, I still don't know because, like you said, there's still a couple of teams on that ledger that still stink up the joint. I'm just a little upset 
that unfortunately I won't be able to have Thanksgiving dinner with my family and watch that Uh-oh. um watch the football team Dallas game because you know majority of my family of course being DC natives uh, have grown up like myself being Washington fans we have a couple of defectors but I still say that they're the ones uh-huh. that are looking for attention um so of course that game is always interesting um throughout my entire family or both sides of my family um, because we also we had defectors on my father's side as well. Um, but, yeah, being that I can't be in someone's face and laughing at them at a potential blowout or even for a potential stinker kind of hurts a little bit. So, but it, it, nonetheless, as much as I no longer really consider Dallas to be – well, I take that back. I consider Dallas to be a rival. I don't consider that game to be a rivalry game anymore because the outcome has been so lopsided within the past 20 years. It's been basically Dallas, and it ain't even funny. But they still are a rival of mine, and and, and I still like poking fun at them, and this is the season to do so. If you don't get your licks in now, I mean, you'll get them next year because they're the Cowboys. They'll still be mediocre right, anyway. Correct. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, right. And, and, and I don't. And, and my God, Mike McCarthy has another four years of this on his deal. Correct. He's <laughs> not firing him. He sure ain't gonna give him no free money, and then hire a new coach. Your hope is that Dak comes back, and that you're capable of signing Dak. Because the thing is, they may have to go ahead and franchise him one more time just in case he doesn't sign because there's a possibility somebody else might toss somebody his way too. So you're going to really want to keep Dak because, as you can see, without Dak, this offense is Masuda. It really is. And now the defense mm-hmm. is, 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 is trash, and you've got to restock the defense now. Uh, if I'm Jerry Jones, my head is hurting. It is because I'm also not, I'm just not the owner. I'm also the GM, and they're gonna make these moves. They're gonna make them happen. Let Jerry Jones be the GM. Keep him. Keep letting him be the GM. Dallas fans don't want otherwise. You want otherwise to happen. But I'm like I see the rest of Dallas Cowboy hitters out there. Leave Jerry Jones alone. Let him continue to be the GM and continue to fuck up Please. the organization. Please, I beg of you. I beg yes. of you, Jerry Jones, don't fire yourself as GM. Please don't. do not. Don't. <laughs> Please don't. Hey, man. Just don't. Hey, man. <laughs> Here's to the Cowboys this again to the Eagles this Sunday, man. I hope you enjoy the game this Sunday, brother. Hey, the Washington football team won't be playing, so I won't have no stress in my heart. All I know is that game is going to be enjoyable, enjoyable to watch. But real quick, the one thing I am slightly disappointed in, unfortunately, Bethune-Cookman will not be playing any mm-hmm. spring sports in their final year of the MEAC. They pulled out because of COVID concerns, and after listening to the mm-hmm. plea of their athletic director, I understand why. So I'm not mad at them. It's just going to be a very interesting football and basketball season with all of the teams in the MEAC only playing against the visual foes. So, yeah, this 2021 for, for MEAC Sports is going to be, for lack of a better term, weird. <laughs> Indeed, only six games, man. We'll, we'll definitely hit that up, man. That's crazy. Thanks, man. Who you with? 
No doubt. Who you with? Peace. That's my guy, Dwayne Nash. Please check out his great work on the Yashers HT Sports. We're asked for all things HT Sports, as well as Sleazy Radio every Tuesday night on Facebook Live and HeroSports.com. Great contributions there. Thanks a lot for you tuning in to the podcast, the Scott Burks, the Clan Hour. Please stay inside. If you go outside, wear your mask, wash your damn hands, and as always, oh, six. Hey.